Game of Thrones is dead and gone. Time for Game of Dunes with Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. This week, we're a Dune cast. It's all Dune all the time, baby. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, that was, we, we got with us this week uh, a James. That's me. Uh, Calvin. Uh, Calvin. And John. Hey. Because <laughs> Calvin's apparently not back yet. Oh, damn. Thought he was back. He said he responded to my comment about the Golas. Professional podcasting. Maybe he's doing the voice on you, on all of us, and we just can't hear him. Maybe he's doing some secret stuff. So he's he's very bad at the voice, then. Or very good. We forgot his his hand in a box. Yeah, he's so good, he's using using the voice to make us not hear him when he uses the voice. Calvin, is that you? Yeah, so I figured out what the noise is. Oh, really? Because we started the podcast. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Cut it out, cut it out. We thought you were here. Get him off! Get him off! <laughs> well, what's yeah. the noise? Uh, I'll talk about it after the podcast. We okay. can cut out this part. No, 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 it's fine. No, this is, yeah. Well, our okay. better buddies icebreaker this week, Ice, a rarity on the planet, the desert planet of Dune. Uh, wow, he's all in on this, isn't he? We're all in. Yeah. It's a theme, Calvin. It's we should just week. be Dune best forever. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm in. Well, let's yeah. see if you survive forever, James, because our better buddies icebreaker this week is do you think you could survive the test of the Gom Jabbar? That's the hand in box one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious. James, you haven't read the book. John, you haven't read the book. Do you, did you understand no. what the test was? No, I read the part. I, I, the, the Gom Jabbar is in the first like 10 pages of the book. Oh, that's fair. Okay. So I guess, John, did you understand what the Gom Jabbar is? Just curious. Um, I know it was like to not give in to fear and pain, but that's really about it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like, I, I don't get how the box works, but... Nope, they don't really it, explain that. Yeah, they don't even explain that in the book. It's kind of implied... Just Bene Gesserit magic. I yeah. Assume, oh, yeah, I always assumed that it was, like, the the that one Bene Gesserit who was just, like, fucking with him in his head. I can't... Yeah. There's um, the mind. To be fair, uh, part of the Bene Gesserit breeding program they enacted... Uh, all yep. humans are animals except for those that they determine to be human yep. based on the test. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, the movie didn't really paint them in a positive picture either. They're not. So I guess well, yeah, they're not surprising. supposed to be. <laughs> Would this Bene Gesserit breeding program take place on a tropical island with... No. Is it like a, is it like, like a game show? Does one lucky man get to go with a bunch of young Bene Gesserit priests, or is, are they all old women all the time? Hello, am I back? You're, you're still yeah. here, Calvin. Uh, and they're not all old women all the time, but it's more of, we're gonna manipulate bloodlines and, like, have our agents uh, uh, get married to important houses to then seduce members of other important houses, or some such. Damn. And also, the Bene Gesserit are all female. Yes. Yeah, they, no, they, I... yeah, they don't have to be old women, but they're just women. I, I think that'd be cool if the Bene Gesserit bringing program was like a game show that took place on a tropical island where so they just, just invited. Want the bachelor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... That, that's already a TV show. It's called like Love Island. I feel oh, like that's it right. might yeah. be. Yeah. 
and the Bene Gesserit breeding program is Love Island in space with a bunch of like uh, like uh, space priestesses. And they have to like a uh, bunch of people from the different houses are like the eligible. Yeah, they give them to mingle. I'd watch that show. I'd watch it personally. But could you survive the test of the gum Jabbar? Uh, yeah, I think I could. Really? I do. Yes. Okay. John, what about you? I don't think I could. Calvin? I'm not good with pain. Uh, yeah, honestly, the hardest part for me would not be the pain, but would be the holding the hand in the box. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that would be the hardest part. Like, if I was just forced to endure the pain, I feel like I could do it. Uh, or if my hand was, like, somehow held into the box, and then there was another way that I could show that I was going to wimp out and not do it, <laughs> besides pulling the hand, I think. But I also recognize that the leaving in the hand is part of the test. So I guess in that way I would fail it. But I feel like I could handle the pain. I just don't know that I could hold my hand there. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in that same vein, except instead of holding my hand there, I think my problem is the needle. I feel like I'd flinch on accident. <laughs> yeah, that too. No, that that was my bit. Like when uh, she holds the needle like right up to his neck in the movie, and even when she like, because she does that in the book too, right? Doesn't yeah. she do that? Like I'm, I'd be afraid that I would like, like turn around and be like, "What is that?" <laughs> hey, Paul. What? Oh. <laughs> What's that on your finger? Ow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. It's all in your head. It's all, uh, but then again, I guess, I, I mean, that's hard to know because obviously it's hard to imagine what kind of pain that would be. Like, is the pain just in his hand? Does it go through his body? Does it even matter? It's just pain in his hand. All... I think just a good takeaway here is if an old woman tells you to put your hand in a box, don't do it. Uh, I'll do it. You'll do be it. okay. <laughs> You'll get super deity powers. Yeah, well, he already not necessarily, had- not necessarily. You could just be declared human. Yeah, that's still pretty good. <laughs> that's true. That's something. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. Let's get onto that track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's define what is human. Yeah. What uh, is? Human? You can put your hand in a box for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it. That's the new like check mark on websites. It's not yeah, there's no you don't check the box. A little box pop a little box pops up out of your desk and you have to put your hand in it. If you can't put your hand in the box, you're not a human. So like every time a kid has to sign into like webkins or something like that, they have to do the gom jabar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, sounds mom. like a really good sketch idea. That is actually kind of awesome. jabar is a captcha for a website. <laughs> Yeah, Only would... humans allowed. <laughs> oh no, Steve! Like... Steve, you filled your login three times. Do you know what this means? No, <laughs> what? You have to survive the gum jabar. It oh, just like my. pops out of your mouse and it just like holds <laughs> there. So wait, the question would be: Would you have to do that like every time, or would it just be one time only? Uh, it's it's the same number as those stupid like "Are you a robot?" things where. You think it's going to be the one time, but then it'll randomly pop up in different places an unknown number of times for an unknown reason. <laughs> like, it's like those image collages. It's yeah, like, which, I fucking I swear I clicked all the buttons. <laughs> that was a bus. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I swear That's I just good. took the test. I just took the test. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
our next segment this week, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy and why we chose Dune. I was going to say, I think I'll recommend Dune. Well, golly, would you? <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm curious. John, would you have recommended Dune? Um, you can say no. Question. It depends who I was talking to, I guess. Like, Fair it, enough. I thought it was good and visually stunning, but it's also not the most exciting movie in the world. Fair. So, fair. yeah, I guess it depends on your attention span. I was, I was partially, I recommended Dune partially as like I was hoping everyone would just go around and say Dune. Since this is the Dune episode, it feels appropriate to recommend. <laughs> but oh, I will recommend a different piece of media. Why? Nope, not allowed. Be Dune. It's Dune. Cast. It's got everyone yeah, recommend. So I guess in I recommend case, Dune. I think I'll recommend Dune too. Cal, what are you gonna do? Uh, Dune. Probably. John. Um. Well, you see. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to come up with something else. But <laughs> Dune Messiah. The of Duncan, Idaho. Yeah, Dune, <laughs> yeah. God King, or a God King of Dune, which God is Emperor. the seventh movie coming yeah. into theaters in 2034. Hell um, yeah. And it'll still get here before Avatar 2. I was going to yeah. say, you part out James Cameron. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Dune's pretty nice, too, I think. I yeah. think you should go watch it. Yeah, I'm going to recommend the book Dune, which I've done before, but I'm going to recommend it again. That's fair. And I'm going to give a new little new, uh, the last time I recommended the book Dune. So part, like, the book Dune is popular for a reason. It's a very pop, well-known sci-fi novel. One of the, like, foundational sci-fi novels, I would argue, alongside, like, Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy and Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep and, like, some of those ones out there, right? But... <laughs> yeah, it's... Part of its mass appeal is because Frank Herbert himself was so wildly inconsistent with his personal beliefs. <laughs> yeah, that's um, awesome. According to an article I was reading, he was so reactionary about like what he did and did not support that, which is why anybody can f- read the book as like supporting their point of view because it is. Um, and he didn't really stop to think about like what his past choices versus his current one. So, like, he supported Reagan, but also <laughs> being an environmentalist and, like, all this other stuff. And it was like, okay, you go, Frank. <laughs> Frank Dude. lived a life. He, I mean, that's kind of, I, I feel like that's, uh, this is kind of a basic take, but I feel like that's pretty consistent with artists. Like, artists are kind of like, they're kind of like athletes in the sense that they're, like, really good at the thing they do but like when you try to get them to explain their motivations or like really anything outside their wheelhouse like they're usually wildly inconsistent or like they just don't make any sense so i think yeah. that pretty much x and like he had one of the most well-researched version like researched views and like understandings of middle eastern culture based as he depicted in the book but it was still like it was well-researched for its time, so you look at it now, and it's like, alright, there's a couple problematic things here, but you're from, like, 60s, old man, so... Or 50s or whatever, yeah, so... It, there's some interesting themes that, are, that, like, from the bit of the book that I have read that are clearly, like, ported over to the movie that I would love to discuss when we're opening up the floor to that. But yes. Uh, Calvin, do you want to say anything about the book? Uh, I highly think you. I, I highly recommend everyone read it. 
it's um, admittedly going to make a lot more sense uh, for the film. It's going to make like a lot, uh, connect a lot of pieces. There's a lot of stuff that they cut out, which I want to reference when we really dig into the movie. Um, yeah, I, I've only read the first one. Well, I read Dune Messiah, which is the second one, only once, and then a bit of Children of Dune. You have to be really dedicated to the series, honestly, to get into some of those other ones. Uh, they're, I'm not, that's not to say they're bad, but uh, I'd also completely understand if someone were to read the first book and just walk away. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, to put it in... To have a, add a little context, either book three or four uh, is set like 350,000 years or something Yeah. after the previous book where this right. one individual who is God. bonded to a sandworm is the Lord Emperor of the Universe. God Emperor. It, the God book God, God Emperor. Emperor. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, it gets off the walls. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, another point about the movie with whether I would recommend it. Like, there was kind of a lot of exposition at the beginning, but there could have been some more too, I feel, even though the movie was already two and a half hours long. <laughs> like, much, not enough. Spice is like, yeah, the um, the space guild needs spice because they do. And that just <laughs> yeah. kept going. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, that's kind of all they say in the books. Okay. Is it like Mentats use it to find star routes, or no? But that's like... what the navigators do. Um, Mentats are not explained at all in the film. And I don't know that the they book. ever. I don't know that they ever say the word Mentat in the film. Do they? They might once. I saw it on like a Stack Exchange article. They might okay. say it passing. Yeah. Mentats are a <laughs> lot of a. They're a much bigger deal in the books. Okay. Uh, I. Don't mean to derail. We can, if you wanted to continue, RJ, we can, then we can get into we this. Well, I think, it's, meant that. <laughs> I think it's a good time to move on to our next segment. Better Buddies mm -hmm. Recommend. Uh, not Better Buddies Recommend. Sorry, we just did that. <laughs> this It's very short notes this week, so it's it's hard to lose. It's easy to lose my place. Uh, our next segment is how to be a better fuck that it's Dune time, baby. Dune that bombastic bagpiper to play the House of Atreides theme because we are deep diving on the dunes of Arrakis. Dude, that part was awesome. I that was it. great. <laughs> I fucking thought that was so funny. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking great. Can I, oh wait, can I say something yeah. quick too about that part? Yes, yeah, I Like, really quick. Cool. I really thought it was funny because, like, I in other sci-fi franchises or, like, uh, like books or movies or whatever, like, they would just send a message. I know the whole point of that opening scene is, like, the ceremony, but I find it really funny that they're, like, like, just to deliver, like, a simple message, like, they sent, like, an entire ship of people that cost like trillions of dollars and like spice yeah. to get there. Yeah. And then he's like, he says like two words and gets like Oscar Isaacs to sign a piece of paper. And then he's like, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and if, if you, if you read the books and truly understand how, just how much space travel costs, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> They burned a lot of money just on making that one trip again to say like two things to Oscar Isaac and then leave. But yeah, so I loved it. I had a realization of this that uh, Dune is basically if Scotland, all of Scotland, just kind of got up and took over the Middle East, <laughs> like they just See? moved in. Okay, <laughs> this is what I was talking about. Uh, this is what I alluded to like like two or three minutes ago. Like 
That's one of the interesting themes is clearly the Harkonnens are supposed to be like allegories for like the Soviet Union, right? Like they're supposed yes. to be yeah. Russians. Right? Yes. And then like, so is House Atreides, because Atreides sounds Greek. So like, like at the core, it's like Western. So is it supposed to be like the West in general, like all of Europe and the United States? Is it supposed to be like Western Europe? Is it supposed to be just the United States? Are, are there any like touchstones in the book that would allude to that i know that doesn't really matter but that's a point that i was thinking about throughout the movie especially because they draw Uh, a lot of like generally western themes for house traders a big a big in um thing that dune was based off of and inspired by was uh lawrence of arabia and that story Uh, so paul kind of takes on the figure of lawrence in that um, and that's kind of who he's supposed to be. So he is in that way, very much just kind of a figure for the West. And like RJ said earlier, Herbert's kind of just all over the place with his messaging at times. So it's very much an allegory for like the cold war at the time and the Soviets in Afghanistan. Uh, but there's also just kind of a lot. It's also like, why you've got the white savior complex thing going, Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. but then also the Messiah, Judeo-Christian, like, he will be one of you, and he actually is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, conf- the, that conflict in there. Yeah, so, and he's uh, and he's very much, Herbert's very much about the one, another message is, like, be wary of m- Messiah figures. And, like, the the issue that that can lead you down uh because uh i guess i i don't remember i i missed the beginning so i assumed you preface spoilers right rj no but now's as good a time as any spoilers for the dune I, you should probably put it in the title or description. <laughs> i think they might get uh, the hint but um John and James, do you guys mind if I talk about things that they didn't cover in the book only up to where the movie has covered? I, I think really... that's, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I don't okay. really mind. I will try and go, uh, like go around things that I think they may cover in part two, but I may accidentally spoil some things they may pick up and have moved to part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for stuff that they um, definitely cut, what was I talking about? Um, I don't know. It was well, uh, <clears throat> mentats and space travel details. And no, it was it was along the line of the, the, mes- the, the messiah. messiah. That's what it is. Yes. Okay, um, they 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 do they make a bigger deal of this in the book, and they touch on it in the film. Um, very like very briefly, you see uh, the Reverend Mother tell Jessica the way has been prepared. The way has been prepared for you, because uh, Calvin just cut out. But it's <clears throat> basically the idea that like the Benny Jesuit seed religious it, prophecies. Oh, sorry, am I back? Oh, welcome back. Yes, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yep, I was. I could still hear you guys. <laughs> but yeah, RJ is 100 percent right. That was my point. Is <laughs> that it's called the Missionaria Protectiva. It's their job literally is to seed these. Prof, uh, these like me- messianic figures and places that a Bene Gesserit that is fleeing and is in trouble can just subvert the local religion for their own power for their own like needs. Yeah. So 
here's a question then like because obviously dune like both the movie and the book like take on they're very mythic stories like lawrence of arabia is a very mythic like archetypal story and so is dune uh by that nature and just the way it's like presented and constructed and like a big part of myths obviously is like a religious or a spiritual component so does spirituality or like religion in a pure sense actually exist in the dune universe or is it really just like because that seems to be the central question like even just hinted at in the movie is like he's told that like that and and like uh paul makes comments about that in the movie where he's like they're just believing what they've like been told to believe like none of this is real so like Um, so do we think is there actual like a sense of like a greater spirit in the dune universe or is it just kind of like this is what yes yeah yes a bit there's Um, a book called the orange catholic bible yes (laughs) okay uh so the orange catholic bible basically at some point it's in the back of the dune book like they have a bunch of like indexes and info and stuff but at one point all the religions of humanity got together like their head religious figures all came together and said all right we're hashing this out we're gonna make one religion with one book that's kind of awesome well wasn't it it was yeah i i just googled it to make sure it's in the wake of this thing called the bootlerian jihad which is basically when all of the ai rose up and all of like like humans across the stars had to put down the ai and the robots and there was such an extreme backlash that they outlawed computers that's hilarious. Which we'll touch on later, but yeah, sorry, RJ, continue. No, yeah. So after the Butlerian Jihad and the outlawed computers, they were like, all right, we need this unifying thing. All the religious leaders got together and had like this massive multi-year conference thing where they just were hashing this out and debating and discussing. And like, I think of all the leaders who showed up, half of them wound up getting killed by their own followers. And by yeah. the end, it's the Orange Catholic Bible. I wonder how the Catholics got the naming rights for that. I wonder what they. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> they were just the last one standing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Listen, you can write Jesus out of the story, but we want to be called the Catholic Bible. <laughs> it's also got it's also gotten other names though. Here I'm on the Dune page. It's also known as the Accumulated Book or the uh, the Zen Christian Scriptures. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, like, Paul actually has a book, has a copy in the book that he's given by Dr. Yue, right? Yes, he's given it to, uh, to uh, by Yue, and it belonged to Yui's wife, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um, let's start, I get, let's, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we're a little all over the place. No, um, we, you guys let, need to take control, because otherwise I will just ramble about this book, I, because I freaking love it. So my, my proposition is let's go around and say what we each thought of the movie. Very fair. I'm going to start. Yes. I thought it was very well done. It was so artistic, and all of the machines looked how I pictured <clears> them, except for the way they carried the spice harvesters out. I wasn't <laughs> expecting balloons. I don't know why. Um, I thought the music was fantastic. I love that one of the songs is named Herbert. No, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, if you watch the credits, one of the songs is named Herbert. Because that's Frank really Herbert. nice. Yeah. Um, and then I was—I do think it went. It's—it's it's that tough thing of it went two hours and twenty minutes, and there was like one point where it was like, 
man, how far are we going to get into this? And then it picked up, like, at least for me personally, having read the book, picked up again. I was like, oh, we're getting to that. Okay, yeah, I'm back into this now. But for the casual viewer who has not read the book, because I went twice, once with Calvin, once with another friend who hadn't read the book, um, it can be a little long for them. And everything is pretty enough, but there are some things that don't necessarily make it a ton of sense. So... But it was enough to get a second movie, so I'm... Uh, yay. Yes. That's my thoughts. <laughs> Who's next? Um, I guess I can go next as someone who hasn't read the book. Um, like I said earlier, there could have been probably a little more exposition about like what the Empire is, who the Bene Gesserit are. Um, but beyond that, like once you're on Arrakis, the story makes sense. Um... I did think the ending was a little quiet for how the rest of the movie was. <laughs> Agreed. Because we yeah. went from like this whole bombardment of the city and complete slaughter to Paul and Jessica walking through the desert for 20 minutes and then just all having a fight with some <laughs> random guy. <laughs> and then he just completely wrecks him three times but doesn't want to kill him. Yep. I thought that was hilarious, too. Like, <laughs> these are the most skilled fighters in the galaxy, and Paul's just three-taps him. <laughs> yep. But oh, yeah. overall, a good movie. Was a little <laughs> long. Um, and yeah, I feel like the ending just wasn't quite... Um, yeah. The walk through the desert wasn't yeah. quite exciting enough to hold my attention, but I did finish it because... Um, the rest of the movie was good, and maybe there was a bit of sunk cost fallacy there. <laughs> Fair. Fair Overall, enough. probably 7 out of 10, though. Nice. nice. So. James? Oh, James I is will... Oh, wait, there he is. Oh, I'm here. I'm just thinking. Uh, well, I maybe will you say... shouldn't go next, Calvin. No, right. but have James go. <laughs> I will say... Um... I liked the movie. I liked Denny Villeneuve as a director. Um, I think uh, one of his like strongest, uh, one of his best strengths he's really been honing other than his like um, character, like the way he portrays characters is just his cinematography and especially how he handles special effects. I thought the special yes. effects in the movie were absolutely fantastic. There were maybe one or two shots where I was like, ah, this doesn't look very good. But for a movie that like has so much in it like some of the ships looked like models i could see rewatching that movie in 20 years and it's still looking pretty good um which is not something i can say about a lot of movies that use that like that intensive of effects um i thought the performances were pretty good um it's basically like game of thrones in space <laughs> like that's <laughs> kind of what it is and i think that's why it will attract like a wide popular audience i think this is actually like a perfect um uh, kind of like science fiction film for people who aren't familiar with science fiction because like because it does have so many kind of like familiar themes from a lot of the more like fantasy driven shows that have become very popular with people over the past decade. Like I think a lot of people who normally wouldn't be drawn to a film like this will end up like watching it and actually like being able to engage with it. Um, uh, I my biggest critique of the movie is that it's suffers from like setup itis um it did not to me feel like a whole film it felt like and that's understandable because it's part one 
Um, but my biggest thing, even in, in any series is like the movies have to feel like they should feel ideally like complete films. And it's not like this film felt incomplete, but when I saw it, cause I heard that the part one title card came up on the screen. Um, and I, when I saw it in the theater, I was like, okay. Um, and by the end of the film, I was like, yeah, that felt like it was a part one to something. And I kind of wanted it to feel like a little bit more i don't know how they would do it and that's why actually i think like <clears throat> the next one they do is going to be the most important in the series because that's either gonna, that's going to be like if they play it right that's like their empire strikes back like that's the home run hit it out of the park like this is the like decade defining sci-fi blockbuster and if they don't do that if they're like we're just gonna we're, we'll like wait for part three then like they're gonna run out of steam and like uh, like I, I, I think then the franchise is like kind of just going to peter out. But uh, I like to that point. Uh, to my current knowledge, they're only doing a sequel. A third okay. movie would be a yep. follow-up. Would be the next book. Okay, so in that case, like it, I wonder if they're going to release like a full cut of the a Dune movie, like when both movies All are together. Where oh, like yeah. I would so sit down and watch that film. Like I would do. It'd be six I, hours, but it'd be six hours of just awesome. I would totally sit down. I would totally sit down and watch that movie. Like absolutely, that would be something in cinema that's like never really been done before. Um, and if there's a man, excuse me, Zack Snyder's Justice League is calling. Yeah, oh, but I, it'd be good. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, Zach worked hard on that film. Okay, <laughs> I never said he didn't work hard. I just said he worked hard on something that wasn't good. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Um, I was uh, gonna bring up Lord of the Rings Extended Edition, but no, that's what I was thinking too. But like in terms of science fiction, like I don't know. I am really interested to see what they do with the second part. I hope that they combine both of them. But regardless, I think this is like a pretty solid sci-fi installment. All right, Calvin. All right. So I kind of agree with pretty much everything everybody said so far. Like James, I love Denny Villeneuve. Uh, I don't know how to say his name, whatever. He's French. Uh, he's Canadian, but I guess he's French-Canadian. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I love his work. I've seen his last four films, uh, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner. I love them all. I think he's an amazing director. So when I heard that he was going to be doing Dune, I was so freaking pumped. And honestly, for me personally, it lived up to my expectations. It was the just cinematic insane awesomeness that i wanted it to be i definitely think i had the benefit of coming into it having read the book so a lot of these like um things there was a lot of very small things that as a book reader i caught that there's no reason anyone would catch this um the point in example is we're jumping ahead here a bit but there's a moment in the movie where Jessica is talking to the shit out Mapes and she's got this uh, Chris knife and the Mapes says, uh, uh, do you know what this is? As, All right. What is what is this? And Jessica says, um, like pauses and she says, it's a maker. And then you, I could tell because I knew the line from the book. She pauses and she's cut off by the shit out Mapes wailing. In the book, you get the internal view of she's about to continue talking, but the Mapes cuts her off. So she's like, oh, I need to shut up. 
And they include that, maybe not necessarily purposely, but I felt like they included that in the film. So it was very small things like that, which they do not reference that. So as someone who did not read the book, you're not going to notice that. Uh, But stuff like that makes me feel like they actually really cared about the book and did their best to adapt it as they could. And I think they did a really good job. Um, I can't. I can't gush enough about the cinematography and the soundtrack and the sound design. And uh, like you said, James, the special effects, I thought they were gorgeous. Uh, RJ, like you said, the design of everything was, for the most part, what I imagined. And everything that was different than what I imagined, honestly, I liked better than how I imagined it. It Everything I thought was gorgeous and it, everything was like this insane brutalistic architecture which was awesome uh yeah i don't know i i love the film but i also at the same time highly recognize someone like you john who's coming into this with like minimal to no knowledge hasn't read the books you're not going to necessarily enjoy this film maybe you will maybe you won't and i think that's totally valid because there's a lot that they just kind of gloss over and they toss and they throw at you. And to be fair, the book is like that. The book just kind of starts throwing things at you. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's good. And like you were saying, James and John, you mentioned it too. It's very much a part one. And the mm-hmm. ending is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of liked uh I liked the uh, I liked the juxtaposition a little bit of like uh, I kind of liked watching Jessica and Paul just wander around the desert for a little bit. Like <laughs> it was it was kind of fun. It was kind of like all right, like what's gonna happen? Like because I knew I was like, there's no we got like probably 20 minutes left in the movie. So what the fuck? Like how are they gonna fucking end this? You know? But like I also like I agree with John as well. I thought it was funny where he like this fight was kind of built up to be something where it's like oh my god like. What's gonna happen to Paul? Like, is Paul gonna get fucking stabbed? Like, what's gonna happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, he just turns out to be like way better than like even he anticipated. And then it's like, oh, the vision wasn't about him dying; it was about him dying in a different way, in a metaphorical way. And I was like, oh, there we go. All right, the death of innocence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in, in response to your statement, John, before of how you were like, oh. uh, he like the, they're building up the Fremen as these amazing fighters. And then Paul just comes in and like three taps the dude. I feel like they don't necessarily get this across as well as um, in the film is that Paul has literally been raised from like childhood from a baby by the three great, some like the three greatest fighters in the galaxy, like Duncan, Idaho, Gurney, Halleck, and Thufar Hawat are r- renowned and feared throughout the galaxy. They make some hint and of throughout that the entire empire. They make a hint of that when they're collecting the Sardaukar, um, mm. where they're like, "Why do you need three legions?" And they're like, "Oh, we're going up against armies trained by Duncan Idaho uh, and yeah. these like, and yeah, Gurney no, Halleck. And yeah. Gurney Halleck, we need them." <laughs> Which yes. is so funny because Duncan Idaho sounds like some like Walmart brand version of like Duke Nukem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I never really, I never really realized how just kind of off his name is it's until so like this film because that's like one of the main things 
everybody's <laughs> focusing on that hasn't yeah. read the series before. But you it's didn't so get surprised like, by that? I don't know. I think I was able to just kind of gloss over it. I mean, the main character's name is Paul. Right. Even if it was just Duncan, it would be fine. But the fact it's Duncan, Idaho, like (laughs) Paul Herbert or Frank Herbert was on some spice. (laughs) I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a guy's name. His name is Duncan, Idaho. (laughs) Strongest fighter in the galaxy. Awesome. <laughs> He's uh. One of the things that, uh, Calvin, I know you share this opinion with me. Um, one of the things we wish that we gotten some of was Gurney Halleck's also a bard. Yes. I He's known that. throughout the Empire as the warrior minstrel. Yeah, and they referenced that a little bit in the film. Because I remember you had told me about that, Cal. Like, I remember in the beginning of the book, they talk about that. And then also, like, it, like there's a one-off line that... Uh, Paul has when uh, he spars with them, where he's like, "Why don't you play us a song instead?" Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna fucking try. But yeah, it's funny. Didn't he yeah. like sing when they first arrived on Arrakis? Uh, I don't know if he. No, sang... he read like a Bible verse. He he, oh. he does poetry. There are there's like a couple times in the film that he says a couple lines of poetry, which I think are actually poems or and or quotes from the orange catholic bible because gurney is a practitioner that follows the orange catholic bible in the book okay did did anyone uh is there any sequence in particular that comes to anybody's minds like one that they that really stuck out that they like which one what the uh battle sequence when Gurney leads the Atreides troops against the uh, in, the, uh, the Harkonnens and disguised Sardaukar, which I want to come back and touch on. Yes. Uh, and also the scene of the Atreides holding the stairs and then they get dropped in from behind. Like all of that entire battle sequence, I was just in awe. I loved the 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 cinematography, the soundtrack, the score was it was just Perfect, I thought. Hell yeah. It's very cool. I I think I'd actually pick the sequence where uh, Duke Leto uh, tries to pull off his assassination attempt just before he dies. Like, as he mm-hmm. dies. Like, that sequence was perfect. Like, out of the book, almost, of just, like, here's the brutality of the Harkonnen, Harkonnens. And here is Duke Leto, like, being the Duke and being a good dad and doing his best to try and avenge, as far as he know, avenge his family. James, John? I am very disappointed that the Duke survived. And, uh, <laughs> that, I don't know, it just oh, kind of feels like a cop out. The, the Baron? Yeah. Oh, the Baron? Oh, the Baron survives, my bad. Leto yeah. is the no Duke, worries. that's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just feels like a little bit of a cop out, but I mean... Dune might have been the story that started that cliche. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I think because I'm trying to remember. Does I don't think the Baron survives that method in the book. He survives by getting yes. out of the door. No, okay. in the book he also has his shield activated. In the book, they talk about how he almost never goes without his shield activated because he's a coward. Okay. So you see it in the film, you see him activate his shield and that protects him. And he's on his like little repulsor suspensor belt that holds him up. He's able to like get out of the way and his shield protects him. 
Uh, I it's been a bit, but I'm fairly certain that's also a thing in the book. Yeah. It's just in the book, it's more implied that he's a coward, so he's always got his shield activated. Yeah, and in the book, he doesn't like actually get impacted by that too much compared to the movie. Yeah, they kind of honestly make it seem like a bigger deal in the film that the Baron almost dies. Okay. We do unfortunately lose out on Piter's backstory, though, or Piter's like desires. Yeah. Do, do they ever talk about Piter? They never like, name did him. Did they? Do they never? They never name him, right? Yeah. Uh, so, John, you have no idea who Piter is. Dest Malkian. The what, what's the actor's first name? His last name is Dest Malkian. I don't know. He plays He's the Pokemon guy with Suicide the Suicide Squad. <clears throat> no, I don't know. He's the guy with the Baron, John. Like He's the like new governor of. Nothing new. No, that was after Bautista. Um, that was Bautista's character. Oh, that was that's, Bautista. That's that's, right. okay. that's the Baron's nephew, the Beast Raban. Okay, so it was the guy who like went and picked up the Sardaukar. Yeah, the bald guy. Yes. Okay. Yes. That. Uh oh, actually, real quick, because that'll lead us into a discussion on Mentats. James, what was your favorite scene? Oh, uh, I would have to say, um. The one I liked the most just for a pure impressionistic bit was actually just the little scene that Paul has when he's like walking the grounds and he comes up on like the row of palm trees. Cause in this weird, like spacey, like Game of Thronesy, like desert space world, like the last thing I think would be seeing like something that looks like it should be on like Rodeo Drive, you know what I mean? Like just <laughs> row of palm trees. And like yeah. I like the the uh, the little conversation he has too, where like uh uh with the guy where he's like well should we um like should we cut them down like because it's water for what like 50 men or something like that like yeah he takes like 10 or like 100 men it's like 100 men a day is to feed these trees yeah and the guy's like no like we leave them up like they're sacred i was like that's interesting because that not only shows like uh like we get a little bit of sense of like all right paul isn't like totally you know if we didn't know already he's not like totally spoiled like he's empathetic he's thinking about other people in some way like he's a good but also like there's a recognition of a like a sacred principle as well that he like has to live alongside while he's here. So that's a good little like thesis for the movie, like in that one scene. Um, and I like Completely it Completely different than the book. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, that... like... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, like I even had to ask RJ about that scene later. Yeah. Like, does this guy have any greater significance? Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is from my memory. So, I'm fairly confident, but I, some of the smaller details I'd have to go back and check. And unfortunately, I don't have my book here. Otherwise, I was going to flip through it to just double check my memory. But from my memory, when Jessica first arrives, they um, they talk about the trees. And the trees are actually planted by the Harkonnens. And they're there to boast about their wealth. And it's supposed to be, look... We we spend a lot. What could save a hundred people a day on these trees, for no reason other than to flaunt our wealth of water. The wealth of water is p- played up way more in the books. In the books, water is insanely important. So the like, I think you get a taste of it in the film, but I. It, it comes across way better, obviously, in the book because they have more words to express it. But the but Jessica actually tells the shit out Mapes that she like this is where I'm a little uh, hesitant and a little fuzzy. But my memory is that she 
says that she will that they're going to give. Oh, you know what, RJ? I just realized this. I I might have confused this with the room with all the plants. Oh, because that's where she actually meets the shit out mapes is in that room with all the plants. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I just was paging through it and past that. Section. I might be confusing this with those two. You're combining uh, a couple things. I think I am. I right. think I'm combining the two. I still think that the the that the the Harkonnens planted the trees to flaunt their wealth. But the second part of what I was going to say, I got wrong and I confused with another part of the book. So the Harkonnens planted the trees to flaunt their wealth. But then on mm-hmm. another spot in the book, there is, and maybe I'm repeating Calvin because I was flipping through the book. But did you talk about the like washing of the feet? I I didn't touch on that. Uh, so there's this late like part of the thing was that the like, people would come in and, like wash their feet. Every time they entered, another sign of wealth and, like, wasting water. Mm. But a lady would... The servant who, like, did that wasn't the shout-out mapes, different servant. She would, like, collect the water afterwards and, like, squeeze it out into a bucket and then sell the excess water. Yeah. Like, she would go out onto the steps of the palace and, like, sell the water because people were that desperate for squeezings from a dirty rag. And seeing that, Jessica said, it was like, no. You can't do this anymore. It's not allowed. Anyone that wants to can come to the palace door and they can get one free cup of water a day. So it's supposed to be showing how the Atreides are a lot more benevolent and actually caring. Um, so they start changing some of these customs and stuff. Well, yeah, that worked out for them. Oh, pretty yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should finish the book. You should, really? you should finish the book. Uh, really quick before we do a dive on Mentats, I do want to ask a question, like one that I would not be able to answer myself. Um, obviously, that's why I'm asking it. Uh, <laughs> really my, um, my, my question is, so like, because obviously they say it in the beginning and like it's explained in the beginnings of the book as well, um, that like spice is not only a fuel, but it's like a, a like hallucinogenic so is it just assumed that the fremen are like tripping balls like hallucinating all the time like how uh, that, like their heightened senses are are yeah like hallucinogenically or like psychedelically like granted basically uh a, a little bit a little bit it's more implied that you have to like consume a lot more like you have to really eat a lot more to get some of those more uh, mind awakening effects but mm. it is a point to say and they play this up again a, a lot more in the books that the instant paul steps off the spacecraft he tastes spice in the air he breathes it in and it immediately hits him the moment he just breathes the air and he like and he makes a point of asking at one point when they're eating they're like oh did you guys put spice in the food and they kind of laugh at them laugh at him and he's like um the spice is just everywhere uh so yeah there is a bit of that there is a bit of uh the spice kind of heightens the fremen and gives them some benefits dude this sounds like an awesome planet i totally moved there (laughs) oh but if you do you'll never leave yeah that is true they don't touch on that and they may later you become addicted to the spice so much so that withdrawals will kill you because it's in your food and you're constantly ingesting it is that why Harkonnens are really fucked up, or are they just supposed to be no, like inbred? Up. Oh, well, okay. the Baron is. The Baron is addicted to the spice. Okay. And he has to have, um, he has to constantly have spice stores to like allow him to m- remain off world and go elsewhere. So here's a anybody cool. that lives on Arrakis becomes addicted. 
is Arrakis the only planet with spice like this, or is it the only planet with spice in this quantity? Only spice at all. Spice. And they'll explain wow. later why. I won't okay. get into that. Yeah. Is that in the first book? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, should we go into some Mentats? Diet so, Coke and Mentats. The first thing to know about Mentats is to know, uh, we have to go back to the Butlerian Jihad. Where humanity rose up, eh, kind of rose up, and killed off all thinking machines. Uh, minor, minor computers were allowed, but humanity would never again create a machine to think in the way of a man. Okay. Because of this, they needed f- ways around that. Thus, they have the various breeding programs of the Bene Gesserit, the Mentats, uh, the, what was Dr. Yue again? Uh, he was a Souk doctor. Yes. So they basically superbred these strains of humanity and trained them to have computer brains. Yep. So the Mentats were renowned basically as human thinking machines. And you get a briefest glimpse of this in the film when uh, when uh, Leto asks Thufir how much they, they spent just to visit to make them sign this treaty. And his eyes kind of roll back and go white. That's mm. supposed to be a reference to him doing calculations in his head. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, yeah, that's as close as they touch upon it in the film. But no, yeah, Mentats are like basically trained to think in a specific way from birth to be human computers. And in some ways are better and faster than computers ever were. So wait, really quick, let me let me get this straight. Like if we're framing the Dune kind of like universe right now, <clears throat> like basically what happened was uh, humanity became very advanced with like computers and AI. And then something really obviously bad happened and the human beings had to like literally like beat down the AI. And like they didn't regress, but they like went back to a weird in-between state of like a quasi like medieval society divided into very like rigid caste systems basically because they could not trust or did not want to trust like machines anymore so they like dune is like a a, an interesting hybrid or like a weird hybrid or whatever you want to call it like between like an incredibly advanced like spacefaring society like technologically speaking but culturally speaking like practically a feudal or medieval yes. one. Yes. And you can see this also in their use of swords and shields because yeah. the shields block all high high velocity projectiles. Yep. And they actually have um and they kind you kind of see them in the film. They have these things called las guns, which are basically laser guns. Like you would see in a space in like a sci-fi space thing is like, "Oh, laser guns." They have those. Can I interrupt? They don't touch on this again. They don't touch on these in, this in the film, but when a las gun shoots a shield there's like a feedback loop that happens that causes an insane explosion. Just want to point out real quick, I love the fact that the lasers they used as weapons were actual lizard lasers that just shot out in a straight line and didn't like break up into bolts like Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why they go to swords and knife fighting is a huge thing in the Dune universe. Yeah. And what but yeah, th- after... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, one of the things they don't touch on quite as much, but is very important, is that the shields, because of the shields blocking high-velocity objects, you can't just stab someone. You have to slow your movement just as you go to stab them. Mm. 
which in the end fight that you only, you don't get because you don't hear Paul's thoughts yeah. in the fight in the desert is he actually is has to adjust his fighting style because he keeps hesitating for that shield. Yep, and the Fremen who can't wear shields um, in large part because they don't believe in it because they think it a weakness, but also because a shield attracts the worms. It draws them into a frenzy. Uh, so they don't wear shields at all. So they're used to fighting with no hesitation. You just go in for the kill. But like RJ said, Paul is is getting up to the point and then he tries to slow down to pat, bypass the shield and stab someone, which he doesn't have to do. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. really dangerous for the... <laughs> Somebody who's shield tra- trained. Yeah, uh, I know this is random, but you talk about the shields made me think of it. Are the worms in Doom in Dune alluded to be intelligent, either like individually or, um, and I don't mean like superhuman intelligent, but I just mean like, like uh, either a hive mind or like individually so, where there's nope. some kind of recognition not, or not supposed to be dumb animals. Really, there you learn a lot more about the worms later. Okay, they are. So I would. They're pretty animalistic. Yeah. Is that scene near the end of the film where the worm is just like staring at him? Is that in the book? Yes. Okay. And there's things in the book that I won't mention that he thinks that are kind of spoilers. Okay. So uh, I won't. If you read the book, you'll get those. But yeah, otherwise they'll touch. They have to touch on it in the second film. So. To be fair, the worm also just ran into a rock, and it's like, I, I'm going to look at you for a bit and leave, because I can't do anything else. Okay, <laughs> this <move>. darn rock. <laughs> Kids in the uh, rocks these days. Yeah, oh really. my god. No, I do like that where it is, like, it. Uh, I know that this is a phrase that's part from Star Wars, but it literally is like a dune sea. Like, there's yeah. little island rock that are, like, safe, like, safe yep. point, basically. Only... No, Only no. in the nor- more northern parts around Arakeen. And that's okay. a big reason why Arakeen exists. And when they talk about the deep desert, the deep desert really is nothing but sand. I totally, this is okay. This is so random too, but I like almost laughed out loud in the theater when I heard this because it just reminded me. Um, there's a moment in Dune where they say uh, in the movie, and I don't know if it, I, I would bet it's in the book too, maybe, where they say something about worm sign, yeah. like like yep. someone said that, and I immediately thought of the SpongeBob episode with the worm. <laughs> it, it's probably it's probably in reference to that a Dune reference, and I was like, holy shit, that's awesome! <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I wish I, I would. Uh, if I mean, if they wanted to totally blow the reality of the movie, and Timothy Chalamet or whoever like picked up like a little sign that said "worm" on it, it was like <laughs> "worm sign." <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry, that was like a total digression. But I just like uh, just like ram thoughts about Dune. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I do want to touch real quick if that's if yeah. that's okay. Um, one of the big things that I <clears throat> totally agree with them cutting and totally understand but kind of wish they had included was a bit more about why Leto just willingly accepts the, the, the Dune fiefdom and why it seems because in the film, he kind of comes across as an idiot, just blindly walking into the trap. Um, yeah. or, it, or I like, I guess, how did, how does he come across to you, John? Cause that it, would, yeah, it definitely seemed like he knew, um, what he was getting into, it just thought 
he didn't realize the situation would be as bad as it was with all the Harkonnen sabotage. And yep. um, he thought he would have more time to prepare because um, for yeah. anything that would come. Okay. But, okay. So that's fair then. So that's definitely what they try and push more in the book. But the main things that I feel like would have added more to that are one, they they really go into the book how they know that this is a trap by the Emperor and a trap by the Harkonnens. Like, that is a big deal from the get-go. They're like, we're boned. <laughs> um, and then also, there's this whole thing. They know there's a traitor in their midst from a long time. They know about this. And there's a whole subplot. Again, spoilers for the books a little bit, but this is already past in the film. But there's a whole subplot in the books about nobody trusting Jessica because she's a Bene Gesserit and a woman. Uh, I would say not because she's a woman, but because she's there's a There's definitely some of that. No, Well, yeah, but there's definitely some of the fact that she's a woman. Most of that stems from the, Bene, the fact that she's Bene Gesserit, but there's huge mistrust of Jessica. And everybody thinks she's the traitor. Yeah. And the and then also they nobody looks at Dr. Yue, and they don't touch on this at all in the film, is the dot on his forehead is the mark of the um uh, Stuke conditioning, which is basically ultra insane brainwashing to not harm anybody. It's the uh the Hippocratic oath times a billion. Yeah, basically hardwired into your brain. But they make a big deal about the Baron is able to break Yui of his conditioning. Yes. But how? Uh, because because the they use his... Wife. Yeah, the Baron uh. has his wife as leverage. And just like, they, they do kind of, kind of just kind of wave hands like, hey, we have your wife. Ah, we broke your conditioning. But it is implied <laughs> there was like a bit more to that. But like they were able to break him of his conditioning and and that's why nobody suspects Yui. Okay. Even well, after the house falls, people are still arguing and mistrusting of other people because they don't know who the traitor was. Yeah. Uh, it, was they... <laughs> it was Lido. Well, he sent us they, all uh, up. When they run into Duncan Idaho in the desert, it takes a minute because he thinks... He he has to. They have to stop and be like, no, no, no it was UA. It was UA. It yeah. wasn't Jessica. Yep. How uh, how do we think Jason Momoa did? As so uh, I thought, he did. I know. Yeah, he I thought he was. <laughs> he was like uh, he was like the older brother that you like want to have. <laughs> yep. I did find that like, a little strange because I always Duncan Idaho was Idaho was always supposed to be kind of more of like a trainer and mentor, but yeah. Well, they kind of they in the book they talk about how well Paul acts almost more like an actual kid around Duncan, and he's yeah. able to treat him more of like that older brother figure, and like more closely. <laughs> what do we think of uh, Timothy Chalamet's performance? I thought he was good. I thought he was good. I thought he did a good job of that scene where he's kind of freaking out in the tent. I was gonna say that too. I I liked that scene quite a bit. Like. There's one, there was one line where I was like, ah, that's a little, that sounds like it's from a teen movie where he's like, you made me a freak. But then he like, that's from the book. 
he goes on to another part where he's just kind of like almost shouting incoherently and i was like wow this is actually pretty good like this feels like <laughs> timmy's actually having a little mental breakdown in this tent with his mom right now <laughs> like, paul's like what 15 yeah he's 15 interesting okay yeah like he's f- 15 in the book and like dealing with all this shit and also hey by the way you're the messiah now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's just starting to have to deal with this fact because um, in the book, the the he's slowly seeing more and more of these prophecies around yeah. him being like he's becoming aware of them. Like the idea that he's believe there's a good chance he's the Kwisatz Haderach, which is literally the universe supreme being. The mm. fact that the the Fremen keep referring to him, and he kind of hears these things about these Fremen prophecies regarding him and his mother, and then the spice in like the fact that he's slowly becoming addicted to this hallucinogenic spice and it's playing with his mind and he, yeah, you know, he just breaks down. <laughs> Basically what any kid would have to deal with growing up the seventies. Yeah. yeah. It's a real coming of age tale. <laughs> I want to know what you guys thought. We're getting near the end, but I want to know what you guys thought of that opening scene with the Fremen in the desert attacking the spice harvester. Did it seem a little I- on the nose to you? I actually liked that quite a bit Um, because I think it sets up the idea like it's almost supposed to look like stylized like war footage, like something you'd Mm. see like a a war zone in like the 70s or or even like an Iraq war type thing. Um, I do agree it's like a little on the nose because like we immediately get like, oh, these are like, okay, I guess this is like the big fight that's happening. But I did like... uh, I just love the scale that they give to the spice harvester, harvesters too. That that sequence where the worm is like burrowing towards, uh, yeah, the one rescue everybody. I was like, oh shit, this is actually pretty fun. Like, I'm yeah, this is a good sequence. It, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind the beginning. It seemed to me like they needed to give um, ah, uh, what's her name? Um, Zendaya. Zendaya. Donnie. It seemed like they needed to give Zendaya a little like something more to do besides being a bunch of vision scenes where she yeah. looks back at Paul. She I had want her. twelve lines and was in the movie for twenty minutes. <laughs> She's supposed I, to be a much larger focus in the second half. I hope it the roles are totally reversed in the second part and Timothy Chalmay is in like seven minutes of the movie and Zendaya's <laughs> the other two hours. <laughs> like that dope. and then the whole lines about like oh you invaders invading our land, desecrating our land and all that. I was like I mean, yeah, it's technically in line with Frank Herbert's environmentalist beliefs, but he wasn't as explicit about it. Yeah. Fair I that mean, they kind of adapted it a little bit. Yeah. No, that, that voiceover to a degree felt a little like Avatar-ish to me. Mm, like it fair. Felt a, little, uh, a little played out. Um, and there's obviously like I know I would bet there's been fucking legions of Think Piece articles already written about like the white savior tropes oh, in, the, yeah. in the movie. Like there are, but at the same time, like I still think like it's not i think it's i don't know i like i i think it's fine like it it is what it is if you uh, do read any of those think piece articles about white savior tropes in that movie the good ones are going to be able to acknowledge the fact that like it's it plays around with the white savior trope without like fully wholeheartedly saying like yes white savior you know yeah well i like the fact that like even like uh i wouldn't call this a version because obviously part of it is like you have to like there has to be an acknowledgement to some degree. It's like, yeah, this is playing into some tropes, but like at the same time, it's like, I do like the characteristic 
Um, again, wouldn't entirely call this a subversion, but it's an interesting twist where like the Messiah is like, I don't know, man, this whole prophecy about me being the Messiah might be a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> what actually is, is the I mean, thing. It's totally fake and he still makes it real. <laughs> and that's the power of mind over matter. What it's all about, baby. That's, that's, that's the uh, secret. That's, you put it out in the universe yeah. and it'll happen. That ain't living also, life what it is. Also, they totally wimp out. Uh, understandably so, but mm-hmm. they totally wimp out. And when Paul's having his visions and he talks about like, I don't remember what terms he used, but he might call it like the crusade or he talks about the like war across the stars. Uh, it's literally in the book. He's like, I've got to stop the jihad. I've uh, got to stop the galactic jihad that I will lead. The space jihad. Yes. It's it's literally, literally, space jihad. literally every time he refers to his visions of the future, he talks about avoiding the jihad. That might be one of my favorite terms to ever emerge from science fiction. It's like the force, um, beam me up, and space jihad. Those are those <laughs> are some pretty classic staples. Yeah. Um, one one last thought too. Um, I want to know what you guys thought because I had one of the shots. I had my uh, I had a bit of prejudice walking into because I had seen a screen cap of it on Twitter. The shot where like. Paul and his mom are changing into their um still suits still suits they're still yeah they're still suits uh and like there's a moment where she like looks at him and uh there was like I saw like something on Twitter like a photo where someone like cropped together those two like shots like one after the other and then uh uh the bottom image was um Krennic <laughs> from Rogue One <laughs> where and the caption was uh like uh Alabama Dune fans and he was like we were this close to greatness <laughs> I have not seen that <laughs> so like do we know like is that shot obviously that shot is not supposed to be sexual so it's just supposed to be like she's like oh my god like my boy's growing up type of thing I think so I yeah. vaguely remember this shot I don't really remember it it's really- I, I'm just it's not even supposed yeah. to be so much as my boy's grown up, but she's still like afraid of him. Yeah, she's, she's definitely a little afraid of him. <laughs> I I thought she she might have been my favorite character in the movie. I really liked her performance, and I really like her character quite a bit. Um, like, there's a really, lot more to it in the book. That scene too, where she uh, uses the voice like one right after the other after the other on the like Harkonnen guys in yeah. the uh, in, like the airship yeah. or whatever. That was pretty good. I, I like that quite a bit. Bank, you imagine if women could do that in real life, just control guys with how they talk? You assume they can't. crazy. (laughs) Oh, well, a man can dream, I suppose. All right. One day. John, any final thoughts from you? Um, No. Okay. I don't think so. I I did download the book while we were talking about it. Awesome. I will be reading it soon. I think I looked it up in the copy that that I was looking through with James. You had to hit, like, page 500. To get through the first, the first movie, okay. the first movie. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: cool. you can buy this uh, soft cover of Dune for ten dollars. There we go. You can also buy the Kindle edition for ten dollars because I just did. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to get to page. I'm looking for the index cut off. Uh, page seven hundred and ninety-four is when the story ends. Uh, and then it's all appendixes of the ecology of Dune, uh, the religion of Dune. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot uh, of appendixes. Let's see what append- Appendix 3, report on Benny Jesuit motives and purposes. Yep. Oh, wait, I missed Appendix 4. 
Uh, Appendix 4, the Almanac and Asharaf. Selected excerpts from the noble of the noble houses, basically who's who of the Dune universe, and then yeah. terminology of the Imperium. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they also include some maps in the back and cartographic notes. Yep. There's and an a afterward lot. by Brian <laughs> Herbert. Hell yeah! So you get one book, and then you get another book. You get all the <laughs> stuff to begin your Dune role playing game experience. All in one book. Yeah, you get the. That's a Dune thing. Dungeon Master's it Guide. Uh, the Dune role-playing game was just released in the last, like, two weeks. Oh, also, wow. also, they did a re-release of the Dune board game, which I really freaking want to get, because apparently it's super, super detailed to the point where the game, where you play one of the factions, like, you play the Bene Gesserit, you play as, like, the Imperium, you play as the Fremen, uh, the Spacing Guild, and the each faction has like different win conditions, and the game can literally last like eight hours or five minutes. <laughs> also, the uh, from what I've heard, the Dune RPG, you start off as like a single individual, and then build up to being the full faction, like large scale stuff. But you can straight up just lose because you get swallowed by a sandworm. Awesome! And as you play the game, you can spend. Uh, basically like success to auto win but every time you do you're giving points to the dungeon master where it's like hey cool you're gonna have harder times now because i want it to happen there are now two sandworms basically <laughs> oh. uh, all right well thank you gentlemen for taking this journey with me to the planet arrakis uh watch out for the giant space rings on your way out space rings yeah, yes. those giant ring yes. tube things that they had in the space shots. The spaceships. Those were the guild spaceships. Oh, uh, yes, yes. We'll be careful. Rings. <laughs> it's a big, big giant blocks. cylinder. The, oh, the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I fixed our... Uh, our feed, our RSS feed, so now it displays oh. all of our episodes, not just the f- latest 100. Oh, perfect. Um, nice. But once we hit 300, I'm going to have to go back in and fix it again. So, but that's for later. <laughs> See you in two years, folks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you can also find us on social media. Facebook, Better Buddies, where you post our icebreaker questions and our meme Mondays. Twitter, at BetterBudCast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. Or our Gmail account, BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer or questions you need advice on, or just reminisce about the joy of the planet Arrakis. Yeah. And last, but not least, fear is the mind killer. (laughs) Uh, Be a better buddy. Whoa! It's right at the cocaine planet. Cocaine planet. Whoa! I can see everything. Look at all this uh, orange cocaine. Hello. Hello. How are y'all? Good. This is well. I'm hearing a weird banging noise. I can't figure out where it's coming from. Um, the books. 
No, no. I'm I'm in that too. Okay. Cool. I've read I read like the first hundred odd pages of the first Dune book, but that's about as far as I made it into the desert. That is that that novel. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, let's get this let's get this show started then, so we can just talk about the best thing in the world now, as we've decided. 